You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. Hi, everyone. Today's topic is knowing what matters. And we have the worst time with happy, like, yeah, we do. We always do that pause because I feel like there's a bit of panic in us. Yeah. I always feel in my head like, dun, dun, dun. When I think of knowing what matters, there's this whole, okay, Merrick and I were talking about m- mental health theory and stuff. There's this whole space called valued living, which sounds so weird. <laughs> there's like living by your values. Yeah. And- I feel like we could talk about that, but also the place where values meant the most in my life was being able to identify my values so I could identify people in my life that I wanted to have in my life who shared values that mattered to me. Right. I think inevitably you get to that space, or I would hope you get to that space, because by you identifying what is most meaningful to you, then you can align yourself with people that continuously kind of give you that reinforce those values yeah that was a hard lesson to learn it can also be problematic though now that i said it out loud Uh, that's what i mean about having times in my life where i clearly did not have good values right right like when i wasn't aware of myself as much then i assumed other people's values Mm. take them on as my own then i would get in trouble you know yeah because um you soak up everybody else's viewpoints and everything because you don't you don't know yourself well enough to be able to define them on your own. That goes back to an old adage, oh, man. I remember uh, middle school that time time in my life. So many times, my mother would say, "Tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are." <laughs> it's yeah. like what? That doesn't play out. And then later, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that." Did you have good friends? When you were little? I'd rather not call them good or bad friends. I would say I had friends that didn't necessarily live out the values that I was taught. And so that pushed me to explore other things. And I was like, oh, well, what about this? And then I would inevitably come back to what felt more, more comfortable and aligned with what I knew felt right for me and my family felt morally right morally behaviorally it's always middle school man yeah it's tough why because everybody's trying to figure it out in our middle you're like play-doh is that 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 time when everybody's just a jerk too it's just like well i could say no not everybody's a jerk but the reality i i believe is we're all struggling so much that we come off as jerks because we don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. Yeah. It's a tough, tough time period. I just remember being really scared all the time. Really? And I, not just because home life was scary. Because you're like, who are your friends? Like, none of them mm-hmm. felt safe. You thought that they were, you know? Like, I don't know. I was in a group where the other girls that I was with were all bullies. Mm-hmm. But I was on the bottom of the pecking order. But I was still in the group. I got it. Yeah. Hated it. I had no idea what You mattered. hated it back then or you hate it now looking back? I, I'm having twitching eye because of the 
Because going back to that space is so painful. When I look back on that time frame, what happens is my parents really played play a large role, right, in, in my development. So where I, I would want to push limits, they would be like, no, no. And my friends, they didn't have those types of relationship with their parents. So they were doing things that were not in, in their best interest. Yeah. Pushing a lot of limits. And because their parents weren't really around, they just did it. It happened. It was like, cool. And my parents were around. My parents were like consistently like, what are you doing? What are you getting into? Yeah. So it's like it's pushing up against that that dichotomy of like wanting to roll with everybody and do what they're doing. And then you're trying to be like, well, no, that's not really who I am. Yeah. Because I think our values are developmentally mm-hmm. driven. Yeah. For me, my my place of struggle was I, I never really understood what it was to be Latina mm. until that framing was set upon me by s- the school system itself was like, oh, well, you're Latina. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. You know, like I knew I was Bolivian. I knew that I was born in Bolivia and all that, but not under that guise of like, oh, now you're in this group of people. And then I had to explore what that meant, kind of existing outside of the stereotypical box of what it meant to be identified as Latina. And, you know, I I was very, I was a nerd, full on nerd. Were you going to school with a lot of different people that didn't look like you? My neighborhood was crazy mixed, like all kinds of people. Yeah. Okay. White folks, black folks, brown folks. But where the communities came together, then all of a sudden we were like shuffled into the groups that we belonged to. Like the white people stayed with the white people. The brown people stayed with the brown people. And I was like, but on my friends, like in elementary Mm -hmm. school, everybody was my friend. So the, the race shuffle didn't happen for me till high school. Wow. No, I got it early, man. But, you know, knowing that I was Asian probably happened pretty early because I grew up in L.A. Mm-hmm. And as early as five, people were like, what are you? <laughs> like all the people in my neighborhood were Latino. And they were like, what's Viet? <laughs> are you Chinese? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think that that race issue happening very early for me probably also made me feel really ashamed of my race really early. Mm. So I, I – and then – also not really even fitting in with my own culture. Mm-hmm. It set me on a whole path. I haven't, I've still continued to struggle with what it means to be Vietnamese and that part of my identity is part of my mattering or what matters mm-hmm. to me. So that's really interesting for you. You brought up identity in that way. That is what matters for you. And that was set around middle school. Yeah. And in the area where I grew up, we we don't we don't have a lot of Mexicans, right? But in the general public of the United States, if you are Latino, Hispanic, you're Mexican. That's just like, oh, you're Mexican. It's like, I'm sorry, no, I'm not Mexican. I'm Bolivian. And you get into this whole conversation. But here in the in the Northern Virginia area, we have a lot of folks that are from Central America. So then they would be like, oh, you're Salvadorian, and I'm like, no, I'm Bolivian. Or, or something else, right? So then you get into this whole place of having to identify on one side as your place of birth and then to this other place that says, well, I'm not necessarily fitting into this box that you've created, right, of what it means to be Latino or whatever. And then outside of that, then 
because I was I was placed in different um, like educational tracks that put me in with a lot of white kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't really interact with a lot of brown and black kids. Mm. Right. So it, it was it's a lot now that I think about it. It's a lot. So that's one piece of it. I think the other part of it is at home too. like my parents they grew up in Bolivia. I was born in Bolivia. My brother was born in Bolivia. And living out some of the values that are very true to that South American Bolivian framework. And then stepping into like American society and being like, um, what am I supposed to do with all these mixed things of how I'm supposed to function? It's so interesting that this conversation went to identity, which mm-hmm. in retrospect does not as obvious. Like our identity, our culture shapes what matters to you. But when you first heard the the phrase, well, what matters to you, where did your brain go? My answer is family. Family. That's what matters to me. But that in itself is colored by my cultural roots. That's so beautiful that you thought family and you thought that. I, I feel like that maybe that's what feels normal. My brain went to honesty. I came to value honesty because I realized that I was valuing that my life was giving back to me the way I saw myself. Now, this is a little weird, right? Like I was in bad relationships because that's all I deserve. Like, of course, this is this is what I got. This is who I am. This is what you get. This is great. Like, this is it, you know, until you get a slap in the face and someone was like, what the hell, dude? Like, you deserve better than this. This is not it. But in that moment, I could not see that v- valuing honesty and goodness and safety and security and kindness and compassion were important. I was so far removed from that space that in analysis of what I valued, what was it fun? Was it was that what I was valuing was I was engaging in behaviors that basically reinforced a sick belief that was comfortable but wrong. Where I'm struggling in what you're saying is, if um, in a bad relationship, one, the value is the other side of it, right? Where now you understand stability, honesty, compassion, all of those things are good, positive aspects of a healthy relationship, right? And on the other side, it's like, I wasn't treated with honesty with anything. But at that point in time in your life, what you valued was the connection with this person, the fact that you didn't have to be alone, regardless if they treated you like crap, you weren't alone. So knowing that I know your history, the trauma that exists in your life, for me, it's the fact that you were able to fill that time with not being alone is a critical aspect of you understanding, I don't like being by myself. I hate it. I will put myself in whatever situation because you didn't recognize your worth yet to be able to say, I deserve better. But that does not tie to responsibility in in any way other than because at that time, what you're asking and what you're basically saying is that you would have had to recognize that you need it and you deserve better. But at that time, you didn't have that capacity. So how were you responsible back then? I think leaning into my responsibility to myself is what pulled me out of that. Your responsibility to yourself. Okay. Always a responsibility to oneself because in the end, maybe that's what's at the root of all that matters, right? It's like you are responsible. Is that what that matters is you. 
what matters to me are the things that through all of the experiences that I've had have shown up that I've had different experiences and I'm like, oh, that wasn't a good one. That wasn't, that was okay. That was great. Oh, I really like this. So that you then get to align and pick out the things that you now see as valuable, like honesty, commitment, but never in that, in that thinking, am I like, well, I'm responsible for, for me that the experiences that I've had, I would never come, come to it as like, well, you were responsible for putting yourself in that situation. Yeah, duh, I got that because I made a decision that I was there. But at that moment, I couldn't have seen otherwise. I was blinded by whatever else was happening that I was in a similar place to you, like where I didn't, I didn't know any better. So I'm going to get dinged for not being able to call out my responsibility. I just don't believe there's this space where you don't know. Somewhere in your brain, you always know. You know if you're aligning your life towards things that sh- that there's more. There are opportunities to know. You don't live in a cave where you just like aren't exposed to stuff. Like okay. you know, and part of taking responsibility, which isn't a bad thing, it's like bad things happen to us. But at some point, you have to. You do take responsibility for identifying what really matters to you. And then you have to make a choice about whether you are going to live your life and align yourself to what should matter in a good way and that moves your life in a in that trajectory of, mm-hmm. of, of health and positive growth or if you're going to stay still and just be stuck mm-hmm. or if you're going to do what we also can do, which is just move backwards, just continue to do the things we know don't work and that make us unhealthy, right? Yeah. And I don't think that I – I don't look back at my life and say, well, when did I when did I have no culpability? Okay, five. Five years old, Teresa didn't have culpability. I am not responsible for things that happened to me at seven when adults were involved. Sure. But by the time I was 15 and putting myself in dumb situations, and certainly by the time I was 20 and 30 putting myself in dumb situations, yes, these life paths like made things happen that made it hard for me to make better choices. But at some point in my life, I had to look at like, what is happening? <laughs> and and only in that kind of reckoning, could I allow myself the space to ask myself what really mattered and then align myself consistently to live based on the things that should matter or were best to matter if you don't like those shoulda, woulda, coulda. I think how you laid it out right now makes more sense to me. Where I'm getting stuck is at 15, you are, you, you do stupid stuff. That's the reality. You do stupid things. Let's say, for instance, you go and steal and then you get caught, you go to jail. Okay, there's a consequence to that. Oh, that's stupid. Yes, I'm responsible for making that decision, right? Like I'm the one that made that decision. In parallel to that, I can look at it from the outside and say, yes, all these things that are around you set you up to make that decision. But were you really responsible for that? Like, And so I, I call it capacity. Like, do, do I effectively have the capacity at that time based on all of the things that happen from zero to 15 to be like, oh, this is the best decision that's for me. No, because 
there's not that larger framework that I'm working under. It's just, I'm just living my life. When you're 20 and 30, I think what happens and you move up 40, 50, you're like, now if I make a choice that I'm going to go and steal, okay. That I think is a very different experience where I can say I have more choice and understand the the broader ramifications of what that could look like than Mm -hmm. me myself at 15 saying, Oh, I think what you're you're queuing in on is that culpability also matches brain development. Mm-hmm. And are you kind of tying into this issue of responsibility because we punish small children like yeah. probably because the privilege of my gender and my race, I didn't go to jail, but plenty of little kids go to jail for making stupid decisions. Totally. And it's because our system is designed to say, well, you have responsibility and culpability here. You should have known better. Right. And you're saying right. your brain doesn't develop that way. Yeah, that that is true. That's so, true. So I'm going to give you another. Uh, but, another. but those are also about our punishment system. So like. Yes, th- but it's also is- the way that we then set people up to identify what matters to them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to give you a different scenario. Okay. Okay. There is um, a group of black kids hanging on a corner, just chilling. And depending on who views this group, they could be seen as just hanging out. They could be seen as loitering. They could be seen as a gang. So all these different viewpoints, right? One thing that's happening, but all these different viewpoints. So for that group of young folks, then they start developing, oh, well, if it's white people in a suburban neighborhood it could be problematic. Be like, oh, right? So I'm already internalizing what that is and I come to make a decision. What values in this moment is my safety? I got to go. Another aspect of that is if it's not a white suburban neighborhood, it's just a neighborhood full of all kinds of different people. And instead of safety for them, they are like, oh, whose house are we going to go to because your grandma has food? And your grandma's going to feed us all. So again, that value system is being created like as we speak. That's where my brain is like trying to get around all of these issues that exist. I'm, I'm telling you like this place of like what matters, it's going to continuously evolve. Yeah. I mean that I can agree with you. Like, okay, exposure matters. Like if you were never exposed to alternative ways or your surroundings, they are just one-sided. And then you only ever continue to expose yourself to a one-sided perspective. You can be trapped in a value system Mm -hmm. that makes it very hard to get out of that value system. I mean, I think that's what it feels like to be trapped in a domestically violent relationship, right? Or like in a just interpersonally violent relationship is that you don't know better you don't know what it looks like or feels like to be in a healthy relationship. And that, right. And then the longer you're in it, the harder it is. I mean, I think that's the same thing with addiction, even depression. Like the longer I'm depressed and I don't know what it feels like to be not depressed, not even happy, you know, mm-hmm. the harder it is to pull myself out from that space. Yeah. And, And similarly to what you're saying, I'm going to go all the way back to where we started at the beginning that it's also, it can also be problematic. And you've really honed in on that when you say we, if we only see one perspective and 
how that has played out for me, race is like right, right at the top of all of the things that influence my life. Okay. I cannot color it any other way, but I know of people that have grown up in primarily white areas, you know, don't value the, the, the person that's of color of anything, anything other than white. So if that's all you've learned and that's what you've been taught, yeah, that's just what you're going to live out and what you're going to feel matters to you. Whereas if you are open to these other worlds and you're exploring and you have this um, willingness to seek out folks from other communities, then that diversity, even if disagreeing on on conversations, right, like that open conversation, that's something that you value, you're going to come to find that to be important to your worldview. Those people aren't without their own values. I mean, I think that's why those communities have such pulls because they offer safety and they offer consistency and they, they have values that from a human perspective are very powerful. Right. Like I have this group that I feel very safe with that I know, and maybe they don't care to know anybody else because for them, safety and security and consistency matters more than differences or challenging oneself to explore a difference. Yeah. And even so, if you bubble things down, right, all the way, there could be a place where folks that have very different viewpoints than I do, we can come to both agree on the fact that family, for instance, is something that they value. This conversation is as chaotic as the topic itself. And maybe that's where (laughs) appropriate, you know, like you can't tie values into a nice packaged bow. It's it's going to change. It's shaped by your life experiences. But what what's what's a takeaway? What's the most important thing about values? I really think that as as much as you develop, your values will evolve. And if you look back, there are there may be common themes that you can see in your development that you continue to kind of hold on to. Mm-hmm. But Within that as well is this idea that, okay, maybe you've held on to this thing forever and then you question, it's like, well, why? Why haven't I looked at it this other way? So that's where I think evolution for me is key. I like that introspection piece. And it's kind of aligned with what was popping up in my head, which is like with many of the practices we've been talking about, the biggest problem that we have as humans is that we just don't give our time ourselves the time and space to even think about it and when you don't you are leaving yourself vulnerable to not living by your values not even knowing what your values are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you feel lost that might be a good place to start is like writing down in a journal a list of what matters, a list of your values and allow yourself the time and space to reflect and then ask yourself if you're living based on the things that really matter, really that you should care about versus allowing yourself to look at this list and be like, ooh, if this is what I care about, mm-hmm. <laughs> how is there a disconnect there? Right. How is it showing up? Yeah. Thank you all. We'll talk to you all next time. Keep on fighting. Keep on fighting.